There we go. I just want to take this moment to welcome everybody. We're so glad that you're here for this time of worship, and I'm excited. They told me last minute to come up here and welcome you guys, so that's I'm not prepared at all. But welcome. Good morning, guys. So happy to see y'all this morning. If you would, stand with us as we get ready to worship the Lord this morning.
Thank you for all you've done, Lord. For going before us in everything that we do, Lord. For having your hand on us when we didn't have our eye on you. <laughs> oh, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you for this day. And again, for the opportunity we have to come before you in worship. Thank you for what a blessing it is to, to walk with you every day. But Lord, that you would love us enough, Lord, that you would desire that relationship with us. It's more than I can understand or fathom. But I thank you, Lord, that you see us for who you created us to be, Lord, not who we see ourselves give you praise this morning.
Children in their children, 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 in their
Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this beautiful day that we can come and freely worship you. We love you, Father. Thank you that you are for us, that you are with us, that this is the time of God's favor in our lives, that you didn't come to condemn the world, but you came to save it. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross and what it means to us. Amen. 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 God is good all the time. He is good. You may take a seat. Yeah, go ahead and give him a clap of praise this morning. All right. I'd like to welcome you to church this morning, whether it's here in person or online. We appreciate you being here. If it's your first time as a guest, we'd love to know that you're here as a guest. Uh, we like to send little notes of thanks and um, give the option to find out more information about the church. If you'd like that, there's cards in your seat back called New Here, or there's a link right there in the comments online. Uh, we would love to know that you're here with us. If you're here in person, we've got a gift for you for being a first-time guest with us on your way out over here um, at your right at the back. There's a table uh, with a, a coffee mug and a coffee card in it and just a, just a little gratitude from us for you being here and, and being with us. So help yourself to those. Um, we love that you're here. We love that in all your busyness of the weekends, we know that we had a break for a while earlier on this year, but it seemed like right now it just kind of kicked up, didn't it? <laughs> It got busy again, but we, we appreciate you making time uh, and your weekend, your busy, busy schedule to be here. So we're going to take a, a quick break and listen to some announcements on the screen. So if you'd look at that, and uh, we'll be back right back with you. Oh, wait, before we do that, let me just say, um, Pastor Corey woke up Thursday morning with a slight fever. And so he and his family have opted to, to social distance themselves. They went and got tested. He got an email just a few minutes ago. He called me just a few minutes ago. He did test positive. And so I'll, let's go ahead and pray for him and his family. Um, and uh, we'll just, we just want this whole thing behind us, don't, don't we, for everybody. Heavenly Father, we pray for Pastor Corey, uh, for the Jones family, for Melissa, and Jillian, and Jackson, and Jordan. God, we pray for your protection in their lives, and we pray for healing in their bodies. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray for everybody that's dealing with this novel coronavirus. We ask, God, that you'd put protection around the people here and wherever they go and the people out and about and the families that are dealing with this, God, we pray for peace and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and watch our announcement video. everyone and welcome to worship. We're excited that you're here with us this morning. We've got just a couple of announcements we want to share with you. First of all, we're a little less than two weeks away from our big trunk or treat event on October the 30th from 6 to 8 p.m. We could still use a few more volunteers. If you're interested in being one of the trunks or handing out candy to the kids that are coming that night, we would love to have you be a part of it. Also, we wanted to let you know that all of the information you need for a DNA group can now be found on our website at cfparis.church. Just go under the What We Do menu, open it up to DNA groups, and you'll find the page with the links to all the things you need to get started. It's not hard at all, and it's a great way for you and two friends to grow together in Christ just the way He designed us to do. 
Thanks again for being here with us. Welcome to worship. And Pastor Corey is probably up next. Thanks. Pop quiz. Who, who can, now who can tell me what the announcements were? I'll be honest, I watched it this morning. I didn't hear a word that Greg said. It's all right. You can go back and watch it later and figure it out. There are some important things coming up, Trunk or Treat being one of them. Um, have any of you ever been given or earned a nickname that you didn't like? Yeah. Or maybe you kind of liked it, but you didn't really like it. Then it grew on you or whatever. Yeah, I've been given one. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I didn't like it. <laughs> what about a reputation? Have you ever had a reputation maybe that preceded you that you feel like you didn't deserve? I have a few reputations with my wife. Um, maybe some of you guys can relate. She comes to me and she says, you want to know a pet peeve of mine? Are we supposed to answer that? Because... I think it's a trick question, right? Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm saying, no, not really, but I think you're going to tell me anyway, and I would never say that out loud because, one, she's perturbed, and two, she's Brazilian, and you just don't mess with her when she's perturbed and when she's Brazilian, right? So, so yeah, sure, go ahead. So she, she says, you always forget to replace the water in the coffee, coffee machine. Right? That's one of the things that, and I've worked on that. I've gotten better at that, right? There's another one. Um, you always, I've developed this reputation with my wife, you've always, you always look at your phone when I'm trying to talk to you. Which, uh, you know, I, I share some blame there, yes. Uh, I've done that, I'm getting better at that, I'm working hard to, to fix that reputation. But does it really count if you're on your phone already and she walks into the room and starts talking to you? So I, I don't know what to do there. <laughs> but no, I, I work hard on my reputations with my wife. My wife also says that I'm kind and loving and handsome, so that's, that's better than those other things, right? I'll take those over the others. You know, my boys, they've gotten a little bit of a reputation from their mother of different things, right? They, when they do the dishes, they don't always clean out the sink, right? So they have this reputation of not doing the job, the, the whole job, right? That's not a good reputation to have, but they're, they're learning. They're getting better at that. Um, in high school... I, uh, I, with a group of friends in junior, junior, my junior year and my senior year, we decided to s spend a little bit of time in the mornings praying for our school, our teachers, our, our friends, our athletics, all of that, um, around the flagpole. And so it wasn't before too long that that group got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, that the administration decided that they needed to move us to the other side of the bus lane so it wasn't, uh, wasn't a safety issue. So it was over on the other side of the lane where there was a tree. And it was like in Colorado, so there's not a ton of trees like big trees anyway, um, in the area that we were. And, and so we prayed, and we were near the tree. We didn't, go, we didn't circle up around the tree, but we prayed together near the tree, and we got this reputation of being Bible huggers. This was the name that they called. We weren't, we weren't the athletics or the jocks. We weren't the, the nerds or the geeks. We weren't the, our group was called the Bible huggers, which, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad reputation to have, but because of what we did, we developed a reputation. Yesterday, I was walking out of Aldi after getting some stuff, and um, I realized that my interaction with the clerk hadn't been, hadn't been attentive. And I don't know if it was a spirit check or just, just me thinking about it, but I was, I was there. Somebody was texting me. I was trying to resolve something, and the clerk was being kind. He was saying some things, asking me how I was doing, that sort of thing. And I was kind of responding, but I wasn't really present and connecting with him on a personal level or face-to-face. 
And as I walked out of Aldi, I thought, man, if I'm not careful, when I'm out and about in the community um, interacting with, with people, if I'm on my phone, I may develop a reputation like my, like my wife <laughs> has, I have with my wife of, of not being present in people's lives. And that's not a good thing, but we have, to, we have to work hard at developing a good reputation, don't we? We have, to, we have to be conscious about the way that we act and the way that we behave. We're told from a young age that reputations matter and that they're important. Why? Well, because they precede us and because they make us more or less enjoyable to the people that experience us. So reputations are important. And I just wonder what reputations, let's think about this a second, what reputations are preceding you? What reputations do you have? Maybe there's some that you don't even know about. You see, we all want to be known for things that make us proud. We all want to be known for things that are enjoyable, right? We all want to be known for things that make us more attractive and more compelling to those that are around us. A good reputation is important. You know, sometimes I wonder, what purposes of God am I missing out on because of a bad reputation that I've developed? What, what have I missed out on because, because maybe I have a bad attitude because my hours got cut at work and I just, I, I just have a bad attitude about it and I miss out on being able to connect with somebody because of my bad attitude. Or I miss out on another opportunity at my same job, maybe a different position that pays better because I have a bad attitude about that situation. I wonder if bad attitude sometimes is a reputation that causes us to miss out on the purposes of God in our life. Maybe, maybe it's an unteachable reputation that somebody maybe younger than you or somebody that doesn't, you feel like doesn't deserve to be in that position on the team is trying to teach you or train you or explain to you, but because you're a bit proud about it, you don't really want to listen. You're stubborn. You don't want to be teachable. I wonder what opportunities, I wonder what purposes we're missing out on because of the reputation that precedes us. Are you disrespectful or always complaining or never taking responsibility? What reputations that precede you are causing you to miss out on the purposes that God has for you. You know, good reputation can make a big difference, right? One of Paul's letters to his mentee, Titus, gives us a good handle on looking at how to develop a good reputation. One of the things that we grab from the book of Titus is this, that doing good for those who can't or won't do good for you. One of the ways that we can develop a good reputation is to do good to those who can't or won't do good for you. Now, Titus needed all the help that he could get. Titus was left on the island of Crete to finish some work that Paul had started. He was supposed to go around, um, put some leadership in place for the churches to, to help sure some things up. Paul, uh, Titus was literally trying to be an example and trying to teach and train a bunch of Cretans. In fact, we get that, we still have that term today, right? They're acting like a bunch of Cretans. We still, we still understand what that means. That's, that's, that's how bad it was in Crete, right? And so Titus needed all the help that he could get. Doing good and having a good reputation was, in, reputation was important to, for Titus, just like it's important for us. Because if he didn't wisely interact with the Cretans, the gospel that he was preaching wouldn't have been so compelling, the gospel, you see, it proved itself in Titus's day, just like it proves itself in today's day in the way that Titus treated others, especially in the way that he treated those that couldn't do good or wouldn't do good for him, who wouldn't return 
the favor. That's where the gospel really gets some teeth. So let's look at what Paul was telling Titus in his letter to Titus that he needed to work on to develop this good reputation to be one worthy of the message that he was preaching. So he, he, he recruited Titus to finish that work, as we see in chapter 1. And he was encouraging Titus to do these good things, and he was encouraging Titus to confront some things. And in fact, one of the ways that Paul wrote some of this stuff almost seems offensive. In, in verse 10 it says, For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talking, deceive others. I read that funny. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talking, deceive others. I wrote it down wrong, but you know what I say it. Right? You see that on the screen. It's written right up there, right? I just wrote it down wrong down here. That's how they, well, you got it. This is especially true for those who insist on circumcision for salvation. Now, circumcision was a, a religious rite that had its origins back in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. Well, Paul brought this message of the New Covenant through Jesus Christ that we are saved through faith alone to the island of Crete. And there was some people there, some religious people there, who were trying to tell them that in order to be saved, you had to do this, and you had to do this, and you had to do this, and you had to do this. You had to check off these lists of religious things that you had to do in order to be saved. And Paul was saying, no, that's, that's, the, that's, not, that's not true. That's old. This is tr- what's true now. Jesus came. He changed all that. By faith alone in Christ are we saved Circumcision was one of those things that they were trying to get people to do. Paul told Titus they must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teachings. And this particular religious group seemed to be taking advantage of the Cretans because mainly a lot of those religious rites that had to be done and performed, they needed items to be purchased like animals for sacrifice or, or they needed services to be done like circumcision. Well, who, who was going to do that? These religious people. Who got paid for that? These religious people. And so Paul says, they do it only for money. And then he says, even somebody from Crete, one of their own prophets, said this. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Talk about a bad reputation. (laughs) I don't think any of us want that reputation. So, This is true, Paul says. So reprimand them sternly. Make them strong in their faith. They must stop listening to the Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. The truth. This message that Paul had preached that there's only one way to God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And it goes on to say, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are are corrupt. Nothing is pure to those who say that in order to begin a relationship with Jesus, you, you have to behave right. If you're trying to do good to people or you're trying to earn this good reputation by making people follow religious rites, is it possibly because you're corrupt and unbelieving? Claiming to know God but denying him by the way that you live, by the way that you treat others? So Paul encourages Titus to teach what doing real good work looks like. And he talks about it in different contexts of their culture in that day and hour. What it would look like for their lives to reflect this wholesome teaching. For a good reputation were to do good to those who can't or won't do good 
for us. Do good for those who can't or won't. Do good for you. We should all be examples of doing good works of every kind. This shows the gospel as what it is. Attractive, compelling, transformative, changing. When we do good for those that won't or don't do good for us, and they knew how we used to be and how we used to live, doesn't that cause them to question what is it that's changed about them? Jesus, uh, in verse 11, it says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. So don't put people, people off by the way that you live. Don't be full of things that are opposite of the good deeds that you are called to do. Jesus recorded it this way in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. He says, you're the salt of the earth. And he goes on to say, you're the light of the world. And at the end of that, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, for we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You want to discover purpose in your life? Discover the good works that God has for you to do. In fact, we're not only supposed to do good works to those around us, to those who can't or won't do good for us, but we're supposed to encourage others to do the same. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another and in love, to love and good works. Everybody say good works. Continuing in Titus 2.12, he says, we are to turn from godless living. Living a life that doesn't reflect the nature and character of God. It's interesting to point out that in Crete, they believed that Zeus, their mythological god, was born in Crete. And one of the things that characterized Zeus is that he was deceiving and seductive. He would deceive and seduce to get what he wanted. No wonder the Cretans were a bunch of liars, right? Because we tend to give ourselves permission to behave in the way of the God that we worship. Or in the God that we believe. Is there some things in our lives maybe that aren't in line with the character and nature of God? Could it be because we're giving ourselves permission to behave in a way that's not in line with the character of God? Of God. So it's important that we get to know the character of God, right? That's why we read the Bible. That's one of the reasons why we go to Bible studies and DNA groups and uh, community groups and we come to church and we, we do our own studying and we watch videos and all those things. And a little tip here there's a Bible Project series called Character of God series that you could go to BibleProject.com and get on there and get into a little bit more of who God is and the character of God. But we want to live our lives in the character and nature of God. Paul goes on to say, turn from sinful pleasure. We should live in this evil world. We should live in this evil world, but with wisdom, with righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward to what's next. It's not an attitude of, of what's in it for me, right? It's not an attitude of, well, I believe, right? I believe, and now I know I'm saved and I'm going to get to heaven, and so I don't care about anything else. 
I just can't wait to get to heaven. I don't care about how I treat others. I don't care about my comments or my interactions on social media or how that affects people. I don't care about my interactions with the clerk at the gas station. I don't care about how I respond to the the people in front of me at the grocery store. I don't care about the, the kid in class next to me. I don't care about that teacher or that parent or my parent or my foster mom or my other family members. I believe and that's all that I need That's not the way it should be. Verse 14 says, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to what? Totally committed to what? Doing good deeds. To be active doing good deeds. The English, uh, the ESV version, it says, zealous for good works, passionate about doing good things. Zealous about doing good for those who can't or won't do good for you. If you just do good for somebody because they're going to return the favor, what merit is there in that? And this is a major purpose in our lives. That we would connect to those good works. That we would do good for those who can't or won't do good for us. Paul tells Titus that we should all be respectful and humble, that that should be a permeating attitude as we do our good works, that we shouldn't slander anyone or avo- and we should avoid quarreling. Our attitude should be, be that of Christ when we do the good works for others. Doing good for those who can't or won't do good for you because remember, we used to be just like those Cretans. And Jesus did and does for us good that we didn't and don't do for him. Isn't that one of the ways that we're supposed to live, to treat others the way that we want to be treated? His kindness and love, in chapter 3, he saved us in his kindness and love. Not because of the righteous things we have done. Now he's kind of circling back. Now remember, as you're doing good works, remember it's not those good works that save you. We're saved because of his mercy. And this next part is kind of where I get a little more excited because it gives us an idea of where this this source comes from for us to be able to do the good works that we're called to. This source of strength, this source of power, this source of motivation, this even the, the knowing what to do comes from what he says next. He says, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So by the spirit, he gives us the strength and the ability and the know-how and the what and the when for doing Good works. In Paul's letter to Titus, we see that we who are believers are to become these agents of transformation in the community around us by doing good for those who can't or won't do good for us. That's the mission to live peaceable, to be devoted to Jesus and to the common good. That we do these acts of righteousness, that we do these good works because it's beneficial for everyone. Give one more example about these good works. There was a lady in Acts 9, and you can go and read that later, but her name was Dorcas. And she was known for her 
good works. It says in Acts that she was full of good works and acts of charity. Full of good works and acts for charity. Well, she passes away. And Peter's near, and Peter had just raised somebody from the dead, and so they kind of get excited, the people that knew Dorcas, and they run and grab Peter, and they bring him back, and they in the room where they had the body, kind of at the funeral home where, where the viewing would be, they're all there together, and the room is packed. The room is full. And they're showing Peter all of the garments and all of the things that Dorcas had made for them. And these were the, the poorest of the poor and the widows. Those that, that couldn't purchase these garments on their own. Those that didn't have any kind of support system except having to rely on the charity of others. Dorcas was full of these good works. Out of her own means and out of her own abilities, she sewed. And she made clothing and articles of like tunics and, and shirts and those types of things that they wouldn't be able to purchase on their own. And she gave them to us, and the room was packed full. Now, the end of that story is that Peter sends everybody out and prays, and Dorcas comes back to life because with God all things are possible. And that's an exciting end to that story. But we don't really know what happens to her, the rest of her like that, but I want to bet that she continued doing good works that she continued to make those garments for the poorest of the poor, that she continued to do good for those who couldn't do good or wouldn't do good for her in return. And as you think about that example and as you think about Paul's instruction to Titus and for the, the Cretan church, think about what you have at your disposal to do good for those in your life who can't or won't do good for you. Maybe you're a student and there's other students around you that you can do good for. It, maybe it's another athlete that could use some of your tips, some of your training tips, or some of the things that you've learned, or some of your encouragement. Maybe it's another student who's struggling with academics and they're failing. Maybe you can step in and help tutor them and help teach them. Doing good for them and their family and helping the teacher. Maybe there's a coworker who needs a little help with a project and you know you won't get paid for the extra help that you get put in because it's just not in the budget, but you put in the extra hours off the clock to do good for your coworker knowing that that person probably wouldn't do the same for you. Maybe it's cleaning gutters for a neighbor. This would be the time to do it, right? <laughs> Maybe it's a community event. Not necessarily hosted by us, by the church. Hosted by somebody out there and they need help. Maybe you can do and fill in. Use what you have to do good things to all people, to all those around you. Join with God in what he's doing and doing good things. Now here's the thing. Here's the kind of the application. The Let's get a little specific here. All right? Just agreeing that this is good and that it's the right thing won't help us put it into action. And I know it's not for lack of motivation. I think everybody in here and everybody online, whether you're a believer or not a believer, whether you, you are comfortable with this church thing or Jesus thing yet or not, I think we all have a desire to do good, right? We all want to. It's not for the lack of the desire to do good works that it won't happen in our life. It's for lack of clarity. Being successful in good works is not an accomplishment in the future. It's doing the right thing today. Being successful, and really at anything, but being successful in good works is not an accomplishment in the future, but it's doing the right thing today. And so what is one good work that you can do today 
before you lay your head down to sleep. Be thinking about that. And I'm praying right now in my spirit that you would discover that good work that God has prepared for you. Maybe it's something that you can do with your whole family. Maybe it's something you can do with a best friend. Maybe it's just a phone call where the person on the other end is receiving uh, an attitude of gratitude and thanks from you. I don't know what that good deed is, but I'm praying that the Spirit of God in you will reveal that to you and that you will discover something, something, even if you have no inkling idea that you would Google search good deeds and just pick one (laughs) before you go to bed tonight. That's your homework. And if the good deed is not able to be accomplished before the end of the day, at least have a good plan in place. Doing good to those who can't or won't do good to you connects you to your purpose. You want to discover what your reason is, your why? Why coming to church? Why following Jesus? Why relationship with God? Why doing good works? For those who can't or won't do for you. And it gives you a good reputation, right? Dorcas had a good reputation for the good things that she had done. And a good reputation is one that is worthy of the gospel and of the message that we proclaim. If we can't do good for those who can't or won't do good for us, then aren't we just denying a big chunk of what the gospel is, a big chunk of that good news? Doesn't doing good for those who don't expect us or deserve us to do good for them make the gospel more attractive and more compelling to them? Isn't it true that when we begin to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us into those good works that we're actually living out this new transformative way of living, this new way to be human that Paul talks about? Full of godly character. Now, you may be confronted with some good deeds that you know you're supposed to do, but you don't know how to do. Don't know that if you can. Because maybe you feel you're not enough. And you know what I mean by not enough. Not enough patient. Not enough caring. Not enough understanding. Not enough cool. Not enough educated. Not enough Bible literate. Not enough Mr. Mr. Personality. Not enough fun. Not enough old. Not enough young. Not enough. Right? And that's where you need to plug in to your gospel identity and who you are in Christ because in him you are enough. Period. You're enough. The good works, the purposes and plans of God for you, you're enough. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've said. It doesn't matter yesterday. What matters is right now in this moment, in Christ, you are enough. Titus, remember he said this in in his letter to Titus. He washed away your sins, giving you a new birth and a new life, a new identity. It's not in your own ability, but in the Spirit of God. You know, we have a limit to how good we can actually be, right? There's a breaking point. There's only so far that my wife is going to put up with me for not paying attention to her and looking at my phone, right? She needs help. I need help to respond to that in the right way. We need help because there's only so much good that we can do on our own. But when we partner with God, we serve a God 
with whom all things are possible. Right? He brings dead things to life again. He causes things that aren't to be. He spoke nothing into existence. God, with him, all things are possible. So are you partnering with God? And will you partner with him in the good deed that you're going to do today? You might be hearing this talk. You never considered yourself a partner with God. Maybe you didn't know you could partner with God. But we partner with God by believing in Jesus Christ, that we can connect with God through him. Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. And he did for us what no one else could or would do, and he took the punishment of our own wrongdoings, our bad deeds on him, so we wouldn't have to live up to that reputation. You can partner with God and connect to your purpose. Let's pray. If you ever bow your heads for a second, close your eyes. And this is just for focus. We're just trying to focus for a second. Think about good deeds. Think about Dorcas's example. Think about what Christ did for you. Maybe you want to partner with God and you've never partnered with God before and you want to give, make a decision to put your faith in Christ. Awesome. Do it. You don't need anybody to lead you in a prayer. There's no special magic prayer that will help you, that will make you put your faith in Christ. You simply believe. You believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he does help you partner with God. He does help you take on his nature and his character through Christ. Maybe you're a believer and you have lost your passion for good works. Maybe you've got distracted with all the worries and the cares of life and you've forgotten how important it is for us to put feet to our faith. Heavenly Father, I pray this, this morning that whether, no matter where we're at in our life situation, God, that we would believe and that we would partner with you to do the good works that you've called us to do, that we would connect to the purposes and plans that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen, amen. All right, y'all have a good week. Enjoy this fall weather.